Today on Real Ghost Stories Online, one teen learns the hard way just what a Ouija board is capable of. She then vows to never touch one for the rest of her life. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That it is. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. We'd absolutely love to hear them. Of course, you can also write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you like the show, help keep us on the air, become an extra podcast person. That's a supporter of the show. And in exchange for that, you're going to get a whole bunch of extra stuff like a EPP bonus episode every single week exclusively for you with some of our best scary stories on. You also get uh, access to uh, all of our uh, archived of episodes, advanced episodes, all commercial free. So you can binge away on all that. Get our ebook or audiobook that's also included right there. Even you become uh, an EPP at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Tony and Carol Hughes joining you today. And, uh, oh, and, and Buddy, I think. My dog has to go to the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> He's literally staring at the door, barking at it. Well, you go take him to the bathroom. <laughs> okay, I'll be right back. Okay, sounds good. Can you play some Michael Bolton or something while I'm gone? Some on hold music? Yes. Uh, let's see here. What can we find for on hold music uh, while she's gone? Uh, dun, 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 dun. What if I did saxophone? What if I just did straight up uh, Kenny G? Okay, he's outside. Okay, I was doing Kenny. He's 15 and like, I got the feeling, you know, his bladder's not what it once was. He's like, I gotta go. Yeah, my bladder is good. Yeah, it's uh, understandable. It happens and uh, there we go. Well, I'm going to jump into a story, and you go ahead and get him back in whenever you need to, okay? Yeah, I'll turn you up, because I can hear you when I do have to open the door. Okay, sounds good. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Let's go to our first one. It says, my name is Lee, and I'm an avid listener of the show. Thank you all for what you do, especially for entertaining me on my commute. I'm not one of those people with a ton of ghost stories to share, although I have a few, and this is by far one of the scariest for me. Gives me chills thinking about it. Let me start off by giving you a little background to my story. My mother and father divorced when I was around three. I stayed with my mom and we lived in a small town in West Texas. My father moved to Houston about seven hours away. My mother and father both eventually remarried. My father's new wife had three children of her own. The youngest, we'll call her Sarah, was just a year older than me. So naturally, when I visited my father, Sarah, and I spent a lot of time together. My visits to my father's house were usually only around the holidays, so Sarah and I were close when I would visit, but we did not communicate when I would go home to West Texas. My relationship with her was never talked about with my close friends friends in my hometown. To be quite honest, most of my friends never met my father. They only knew my stepdad. Sarah was a complicated girl. The last time I talked to her while visiting my dad for Thanksgiving, she was completely devastated. Her relationship with her boyfriend was on the rocks, And as a 15-year-old, it was the end of the world. I thought it was odd how sad she was because I too had been in a relationship and I did not experience feelings that intense. 
Looking back as an adult, I can see it was not just normal, but as a teen, I just thought it was different than me. But I did not think it would change her life. Fast forward to the following summer. I was at a three-week summer camp and received a call from my mom. I knew this was not good news since the only communication you normally have is through letters. That is when she informed me that Sarah had committed suicide. She was 15. She and her boyfriend finally broke up and it ended her life. Since it was the summer and I was at camp, I never told my hometown friends about this. The next time I would see my hometown friends would be at a cheerleading camp later that summer. I did not feel it was right or the right time to tell them either. So this is important. Going into cheerleading camp, no one knew of Sarah's passing. I did not even know who Sarah was at that point. Cheerleading camp was four days and three nights. My friends wanted something entertaining to do each night while in our dorm room. So we brought out a Ouija board. The first night was nothing but giggles. The second night, one girl cried because the board called her a whore, and she thought it was one of us. After the third night, I knew it was not any of us, but the board. What happened the third night is why I'll never touch a Ouija board again. Started off with nothing too scary or hurtful. I decided to get up and use the restroom. After using the restroom, I opened the door so I could hear the girls who were still playing while I picked on my face. Remember, I was 14 at the time. Teenager hormones were raging. I still remember it so clearly. I was leaning over the bathroom counter, picking my face, and I hear one of my friends say, Tell Lee, Sarah, say hello. I leaned over at the door and confused, I could not have... They couldn't have just said that. What? I said, who's Sarah? I questioned a friend. I just started to cry. I was crying out of fear. Crying because of all the emotions my 14-year-old self did not know how to deal with. I immediately told the girls to close the board, and they did. We did not touch it again that night, and I never have since. Sometimes when I think about it, I wish I would have asked more questions after that statement. I've also thought there were evil spirits associated with a Ouija board, but I do not believe Sarah was in the group. I'm a Christian and have strong faith, but I do not believe she is in hell because she committed suicide, so I still have questions. Why was she around to talk to the board? Who was, or was that even her? Did an evil spirit know how to hurt me and said it to do so, and not because Sarah really said it? I'll never know, and we'll never use a Ouija board again to figure it out. Thank you for letting me share my story. Maybe you guys have an idea of why or how Sarah was able to communicate. Maybe you think it was not Sarah, like I've started to wonder myself. Take care and be safe, Lee. All right. Survey says, is it a <laughs> demon or her friend? Demon. Uh, I don't do you think it was the friend? I don't, I don't know. think so. I don't think it, it seemed a little odd. It seemed kind of not in character of what that friend probably would have done had it been a a good visit. And I'm not saying it was a demon per se, but it might have been something that was just trying to screw with her, you know. I just yeah, I don't think um I don't think it was her friend. No. I don't. And and I also agree with her. I think you know Number one, that was a very sad story. I wasn't quite ready for that. Sure. Um, but, you know, I just, especially at 15, you know, you can't see around corners when you're 15 and you don't realize that life continues and goes on. In fact, you and I just had a long conversation before this, before we started recording about that. Yeah. Um, but, but it's so sad to me that a teenager can't see another way out. So please call for help, reach out for help, mm-hmm. you know, because there's so much more that if you can just get past that. And so, you know, 
I don't know what happens when you die, and I really wish I did. But I think when somebody commits suicide, they're in such a tortured state of mind that, and it's not their right state of mind. How could you be held eternally? You know, like you have to pay for it for all eternity. I just don't think that's fair. And I don't think that's what happens. No. And, And I look at those sort of things and I go, you know, as a human being, you can be angry, you know, at someone that's in a, a tortured state of mind if they do something to hurt you. But at the end of the day, the bigger picture thing is you look at it and go, you feel bad for the person because they're in such a tortured state that that's what they think is the right idea. And and that's that's the scary thing. You know, anybody who's in that state that thinks that that's the way out is not mentally healthy. And and, and but but with help, hopefully they can get there. But yeah. that that's the thing. And I was criticizing this the other day on um, uh, Dark Side of Wikipedia, uh, the other podcast. Uh, me and Sean were talking um, about, um, oh, shoot, you know what I did? You wanted that story, too. And I did it with him today. <laughs> Which one? Aaron Hernandez. Okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> I can find another story that will really upset me just as much. <laughs> But we were tragic in so many ways, but that's a whole nother podcast. It it is. But we were, I got into the whole thing about, you know, the lack of mental health care in this country or the, and just the value that, that is not put on it where it should be and how situations like him and all of that, very preventable. Athletics. Yes. Like he's pushed so hard to be this machine that nobody bothered to find out what's the right thing for him. Sure. Sure. And that's, and so that, like I said, is a whole other podcast. A whole other podcast, yes. But anyway, but, yeah. But, you know, I just, I don't know. It's just so sad to me that, you know, and that and that story is just as tragic, but when the entirely different opposite crime sort of way yeah. with murder. But, hey, yeah. I just don't think her friend would do anything like that. No. And I, I'm really glad that she, after that, was like, I shouldn't be messing with this. Yeah. You said- I did see, and maybe somebody posted on the Real Ghost Stories group page, mm-hmm. but there was like this Ouija board that was all pink and Barbie-like. Yeah. Did you see that? I think I that even Googled it. I'm like, is that a thing? And I didn't see a Barbie Ouija board, but there is definitely a pink Ouija board yeah, marketed. There is a pink one. It's not a Barbie Ouija board, but yeah. there is a girl's pink Ouija board that uh, that I have actually physically seen on a store shelf once. Yeah. So, yeah, they're out there. Um, yeah, they are. Uh, 855-853-4802. Our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. <clears throat> Let's go to another letter. Mr. Lowe, big fan of the podcast. And the dark side of Wikipedia and the Grave Talks. Finding these podcasts that talk all about my favorite things and very cool interviews. <coughs> Excuse me. <sighs> Was an incredibly happy day for me. I've kind of debated telling uh, some of my ghost stories only because of how calm most of them have been. However, I feel that maybe not every ghost story that gets told must be such an extreme story. And that hearing some possibly nice ghost stories could be refreshing, especially during these times. Throughout my family, just about everyone has experienced something. But these two stories are from my father and from my mother, but both include me as a baby. I'm 21 now, so these happened about 19 to 20 years ago. But every now and again, I'll still talk about them with my parents. The first story I want to tell is one of my father's. 
At the first house my parents purchased, the bedrooms were a little weird. My sister and parents slept upstairs on the second floor. My bedroom was on the first floor, right next to the bathroom. My father would normally get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. And this night was no different. He goes downstairs and on the way to the bathroom, peeks in my room. I was sleeping like a rock, but he noticed the blanket is at the foot of my bed. Thinking I'm cold, he puts the blanket over me and tucks it in before heading to the bathroom. 30 seconds later, he comes out, and when he checks on me again before heading upstairs, my blanket is now neatly folded at the end of my bed again. Believing it to be my grandfather, who had died not long ago at this time, he did not touch the blanket and just went back to sleep. The second story I want to tell takes place around the same time at the same house, at around 3 a.m. I woke my mother up with crying, at babies as they tend to do, so she got up to come downstairs and grab me. She brought me into the living room and started rocking me to sleep on the couch. Eventually, she too fell asleep on the couch with me in her arms. Soon after, she opens her eyes and sees a tall shadow leaning over her, looking at me. She was in such shock and surprise, she tried screaming my father's name, but absolutely nothing came out. For about a minute, she was just staring at the shadow, staring at me. Eventually, she closed her eyes and opened them again, and it was gone. Both of my parents believed it was my grandfather on both occasions, and I like to believe that as well. Even though I never got to meet him, I enjoy the thought that he is still a part of my life, and in one way or another, I'm not really a religious person with me always. <clears throat> Thank you very much for reading my stories. If they make it out of the air, even cooler. There you go. Thoughts on those experiences. I like that. You know, I think we talked about that one day, like happy ghosts. Yeah. And like happy ghost stories. And I do like those kind of stories a lot because yeah. I don't think everything has to be dark and scary and bum, bum, bum. Sure. You know, I think that sometimes you miss something that, especially with a loved one who has passed, I think there can be interactions that you miss because you're looking for some big thing. Sure. An earthquake. But... <laughs> But you know what I mean? Something like to hit you over the head. Yeah. When you totally miss something right in front of you. So I don't know. I think, I don't know. Those are my favorite kind of stories. So I'm glad that he wrote in. I am too. I like that one. Thank you so much. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to a caller. Hi, you are on the air. I've never done anything like this before. So <laughs> excuse me if I foul up. But I do have a ghost story. As a matter of fact, I have a couple. But one I'd like to start out with was when I was like 13 years old. Um, my family and I had moved from California to Texas. And my parents were born in the 20, in like 1927 and 1928. They had never had a paranormal experience nor had I, my brother, or my sister. And like I said, I was a teenager. My brother and sister, five and six years older, they were, you know, well into their teenage years. The first night we moved into this house in a small town of about 30 miles from Fort Worth in Texas, the very first night we were there, we were all in our beds, and there was footsteps walking up and down the hall, and my dad screamed from the bedroom who's walking up and down the hall my sister and i shared a bedroom right across the hall from my parents we both said not i not i my brother down the hall said it wasn't him and we 
Dad got up and checked, and there was a board in the middle of the hall that uh, this was the old, uh, what you call stick homes, and I know you could get underneath it. And there was a board that if you walked across it in the hall, it would creak. And it was that way for over 30 years that my parents owned that home. So that was the introduction of the mysterious footprints and footsteps. But from there, um, it gradually started getting to where uh, I, still being in school, would have to fold my clothes up and put them at the end of the bed for what I was going to wear the next day. I always had to prepare for the next day rather than trying to do it in the morning. I'd get up and my clothes would be gone. I think someone was, you know, pranking me and the clothes would stay gone sometimes a week, a month, a year. But then oddly enough, they'd show right back up on my bed and my mother would be there all day long and she didn't know where they came from. No one, but it was not just me. It seemed to, you know, gravitate towards me more, but I was in the house more, me being the youngest of the children. But my dad was on the road all the time. He's a truck driver. He owned his own company. And he didn't see it a lot, but there was absolutely things that would go missing shadows you would see lights well that the lights that went on and off were when i was about mm, older i know i was like 19 20 21 years old and i had moved out and then moved back home and was coming in i remember coming in late from going out clubbing and i was the only one home at that time and I came in turned the lights on when I went to go down the hall and turn the lights off I walked down the hall they went back on in the living room and I'm like what well maybe the light switch didn't go down all the way so I went back down turned it off got what halfway down the hall they come back on and by this time we knew there was something there other than shadows and hearing and we heard na our names called uh, we would this ghost would mimic one of our voices like if one person was home you'd hear someone down the halls calling your name and you'd go there and no one was still home and it was done to each and every one of us five independently so it's like we have all lost our minds or this is actually going on so I know that when I was in high school I'd invite a friend home to spend the night with me and they would never come back and if I found someone in high school that didn't know about my house um, and got them to come over they, they, again, they still, something would happen. And inevitably, they would find out or they would flat out ask me, what is going on? 
and you know I, it, I, I'm always. You ask me no questions, I will tell you no lies. But if you ask me, be prepared for the truth, because my mama raised us all. That if you lie, you die. I brought you into this world. I can take you out of this world. So we didn't lie and we didn't steal. She often told us, I don't care if you murder someone. Don't do it. But I'd forgive you and still love you. But if you lie or die, I'll kill you myself. So that's something we just didn't do. I mean, no one would want the wrath of my mom. <laughs> Very strong, willful woman. And she she was very soft spoken woman, but it, it, my mother was like this. If she, if she was really mad at you, and she started laughing. You better run. <laughs> so I'll leave it at that. But yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting time in that house. It wasn't anything that we moved out because it wasn't malicious, malevolent. It was just letting us know. That we were there and when the lights kept coming on and going up i finally i mean i had you know been out dancing and everything all night so i was tired and ready to go to bed and the lights kept coming on i finally went to the end of the hall and said fine if you want them on leave them on i'm going to bed and by the time i got to my bedroom at the end of the hall they went off so it's just reminding us that yeah i'm here this house is first mine i'm letting you stay here and <laughs> don't you forget it so that's my story Thank you for your podcast. You have a great day, and everybody stay safe and well out there, okay? Bye. Thank you for sharing uh, those experiences with us. What's your thoughts? Well, I mean, I can totally relate to that one. Yeah. And, like, because I remember when I was a kid, and I've shared that story before, there's something walking down the hallway, and my mom is like, Carol, Gary, Cheryl, Cindy, Kathy, and we're all in bed. So there was nobody who should have been walking around. Sure. And we all heard it. But so when she told that, it kind of gave me goosebumps. But I do think it's, you know, like she certainly didn't feel threatened by anything. Mm -hmm. But they obviously let her know they were there. Yeah. Like, you know, the light thing. You can go, well, it could be an electrical issue. And it could. But the turn it off, it comes back on. Turn it off, comes back on. Turn, you know, and then like, fine, stay on. Then goes off. Mm -hmm. Like that's really not an electrical problem. <laughs> yeah, that's more of a paranormal problem. But at the time, you don't want to think that. At the time, you just want to like, yep, it's electric. Okay, I'm moving on. Yeah. yeah. But you know, when you live in a house like that, and she did the same thing. Like, fine, if you want it on. Just leave it on because mm -hmm. she knows by that point in her life, something's going on in her house yeah. and you just kind of, I guess, learn to live with it. But that shit, even though it's like not horrific, mm -hmm. that scares me. Yeah. I don't want lights coming on when they're not supposed to be on. No, that's yeah. it's it is bizarre when it happens and it makes you wonder why it, it's happening and they can yeah. do it once and then never do it again and then start doing it in sequence. And fuck the other night I, uh, when I had a, a bird that flew into our, uh, house, did I tell you about this? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that scared me because it's like, I don't know how this thing got in here. And my mind's going to like, this is an omen of some sort, or this is like, oh, a, yeah, like or like, like this is a um, sign or something. And I'm just like, Oh Jesus. I mean, <laughs> 
He was like, great, now I got to look up. I got to figure out what kind of bird that was and if that's some sort of dark cloud that's going to be hanging over my head forever now. It was weird just because it was like, where did this come from? Why is this here? You know. Well, it's one thing when the weather's nice and you might leave your door propped open yeah. for some reason. But it if wasn't you don't that. Have a screen door. It was cold and everything was shut and we were shutting the door as quickly as possible all day. So it, it wasn't one of those days because I, I could see that happening on those days. But I guess I know maybe, you know, they're cold, too, out there. And they'll be even a little more sneaky to get into the house if they need to. I don't know. But it's it freaked me out. I I was kind of like feeling a little weird for a little while wondering. Do you know what kind of bird it was? Was it like a black crow or something like no, that? It was or- it was a little bird. It was tinier. It had a little crow? little beak. It, it like was, a little finch. It was something I, my mom had looked it up and she told me what it was and I don't remember what it was, but it was something I didn't recognize. Um, but I see him around here all the time. Um, and it was just kind of a gray black bird, tiny little beak. It was just, it was, a, it was like finch size, um, but it wasn't a finch. But anyway, it was, yeah, just one of those things. And I think it's because of all the episodes on the show where we have something where, and this showed up out of nowhere. I don't know what it was. And then I immediately found out some sort of horrible information after well, of course, that's yeah. where your mind goes. And that's where I was holding... Look at what you do for a living. I know. And I was just holding my breath. And it was like, oh, God. But anyway. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Let's go to the caller. Hi, you are on the air. Hi there. Uh, my name is Carl Gaffin. G-A-F-F-I-N. Um, I have a good story for it. It's, it's true. It's real. Um, it, from about 20 years ago, uh, I was a Civil War reenactment, which means I went to a lot of Civil War battlefields. And I went to one in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, with a friend. And the name of the battle was Stones River, so you can Google up Stones River and get pictures of that. And it was late in the fall, and it was cold, and there were very few people at the battlefield. So you stop in at the, at the ranger station, you get a map and you just do your own, do your own ride around. Um, and they're numbered, you know, like one through 15 or something. And anyway, I think it was number five. It's called, um, slaughter, slaughterhouse. And this is uh, Union and Confederates. And there was a lot of blood spilled there that day. Anyway, we're, we're doing the, the Ranger thing, uh, taking the, the drive around the battlefield and stopping at all the numbers. This particular one, a slaughter, um, you have to park your car and walk. Oh, I don't know, maybe 80 yards over to where they had a display of cannons and and such. And so we did this. We parked the car, we're walking across the, the field toward the display, and there were no other cars there. It was cold. Anyway, um, we looked over to where the cannons were, and here's this guy walking around the cannons, looked like a regular human being, only he had 
he was dressed like an old farmer. He had farmer clothes on, he had a straw hat and suspenders. And he would walk around the cannons and look at them. And then he would stop and look at us as we're walking along. And so we got over there where, where the display was and poof, gone. No guy at all. And there was no place for him to go. So we're pretty shook up with this. So we went back to the ranger station and told them about this. And the ranger, um, he said, yeah, we, we've had lots of, lots of information about that particular site. There was a, a bloody battle there. A lot of people were killed. There's a lot of energy there. And, um, <laughs> he just smiled at us and, and he, and he said, um, also, close to where this battle was, after the war, um, there was a gal that put up money for a schoolhouse for blacks. This is after the war, after 1865. And so he said that the townspeople took her out and lynched her. So there's an additional piece of energy that hangs around that area. Anyway, you're welcome to call me. Um, Thank you, but we uh, we don't do phone numbers. Uh, but uh, so that was an you love battlefield stories. What's your thoughts on all that? Oh, like I totally like I just get a creepy feeling when I'm on like mm-hmm. a battlefield. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, you live basically I, on the I, I get a peaceful, easy feeling on the battlefield here. I literally do. And I think my problem with it is that I I don't live on a battlefield like you do. Mm-hmm. So I was there's surprised. That. But I think for me, when I look at like you look over and it can be absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. But then I think about what happened. Yeah. It is awkward as you walk around on like a sunny day and it's like, you know, green grass, nice trees, flowers, all that. And in my the way I put it in perspective is as many people that died on 9-11 died right here. Um, yeah. And if not a little bit, a few more uh, in that battle. In and around court- Nashville, like oh. that Murfreesboro. Yeah. And there's um, like because my great, great, great. I don't remember how many greats. <laughs> he was in the Civil War. Yeah. And he fought in the Battle of Nashville. was his actual last battle. Number 20. Wow. 20 Civil War battles. So I think when I, whenever I, because I search them out, I'm fascinated by them. Sure. Because I love history. But then it makes me think of my grandfather because I know that he was in 20 Civil War battles. Mm-hmm. And how... You can live through 20. I have no idea. So when you search them out, did you find like their TikTok pages? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> did I find his TikTok that, Yeah, that would be a question that like my like a 10-year-old would ask, you know. So did oh. you, like when you searched them out, did you find like your your great, 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 great grandfather's TikTok page? <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. You wouldn't believe it. He has one. It was awesome. <laughs> anyway, surprising. But, yeah, it's just really interesting. I'm kind of also 
fascinated in a weird way by people who do the Civil War battle reenactments. Yeah. Like, because I'm a history buff, um, that's just not something I would want to relive sure. and reenact. So it's interesting just to hear him talk about doing that because I just don't understand it. Yeah. You know, that's a brutal time in our history. I wouldn't want to like for recreation relive it. I've never, to each their own, but me personally, I've never understood the draw of reenacting tragic events. But, you know, to some people, that's how they, you know, they like like it. Okay, cool. It just hasn't I, been my thing. Totally, yeah. And there's a lot of people who are into it. Yeah, the I, I'm just not a, a cosplayer or whatever. You, that's just kind of not my thing. But you know, to each we had a guy here. We have a little mm-hmm. uh, place. I don't want to say exactly where this happened. Yeah, you know where it happened, but it's an old western town. Yeah, in the middle of town, uh-huh. and it's a museum. And they do. They were doing a reenactor. And I don't know if it was Civil War. I kind of think it was Civil War. Mm-hmm. And somehow a loaded weapon. I heard about that. The battle, and a guy got shot. He lived. Yeah. I, I heard he about that. he was in pretty bad condition. You know, I, I started reading the article. Um, and I didn't know where, because it didn't say where it was. It was like, uh, you know, Civil War reenactor shot with live bullet during reenactment. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And I clicked on it. And it, going through my mind is like, what would be because they're describing like the western area i'm like no i'm like that's just yes. too perfect for that city <laughs> just with all the weird stuff all the weird murder type things but uh yeah that's I don't funny think they ever, and i don't get how that even is possible i, I don't mean know. i would think that would be you would check and double and i don't think you would ever have one of those weapons loaded to start with yeah i don't know how that all works but they have to shoot something you know there's some kind of explosive thing that goes off but yeah, so that's yeah. just fascinating to me. But I totally, like, when you just think about the horrific things that happen on those battlefields, sure. like, how could that not be happening? And then when he talked about the person starting the school for mm-hmm. these people who would have been either slaves mm-hmm. or newly freed slaves, yeah, like, that's in the South. Yeah. That's just tragic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just so much negativity all surrounding that. And yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised. So that story does not surprise me in the least. No. The only reenactment I've ever been in part of was uh, we went to stayed at the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island and it was their Titanic weekend. And like they usually have some sort of Titanic themed something, either like people that have done investigations or whatever, and they speak and all that. But then there's a night where they have a dinner and everybody dresses like in the attire of the day. And it's kind of neat. Some people get way too into it and they like start taking on these personas of people that they are not. Um, we just kind of stood back in the corner. But you guys, is, I remember the pictures from this and you guys had some great. Yeah costumes and we were just like hey okay let's go have dinner and and the the craziest thing and and it felt really distasteful because uh, i thought it was just going to be like you're going to eat off the menu of the night of the, the ship and and you know and that's it but no they take you all the way to the sinking and what they did and i don't know if it was just the year i was there or what but they uh, all the waiters and waitresses in in this fancy ballroom at the grand hotel they have trays 
loaded with uh, 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 knives and forks and dishware that can't be broken. And they literally, uh, as it, all of a sudden the lights start turning on and off, they start tossing the dishware into the center of the, the floor and the lights are going on and off. And then on the side, they start throwing ice cubes on everybody in the in the room. I'm not making this shit up. What? And the, oh, my God, the ship is sinking. And Harper got kind of freaked out. So we left. Uh, but it was I, I then I watched from the door and I was like, what is going on? And I knew they were like, going to do yeah, something. Yeah, the band started playing. It, yeah, they did. Yes. Then like they had like the violin did player to his thing. And it was like, this is kind of this weird, disrespectful, like yuppie reenactment of Titanic sinking. <laughs> and I just felt like. Which was really horrific. It was. And I, I've, I've studied that since I was a little kid, well before the movies and everything. And it's just like. This is just like you guys are so disconnected from the reality of what that event was to do that. I mean, it's it's just it was so messed up. It just felt wrong. But I mean, I get like doing the dinner and, you know, that's kind of interesting. You can understand, you know, what was the time like? But you're not going to reenact the fucking sinking of the Titanic at a formal dinner. That's just weird. But anyway, <laughs> that's the reenactment I was a part of. I was a Titanic reenactor for dinner one night. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and you didn't even know you were going to be. Check that off my list. Uh, that's going to wrap up today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, keep us on the air. Become an extra podcast person. EPP is them at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories and help keep the program on the air. Until next time, for Carol, I'm Tony Brisky. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.